Hello and welcome to Our Own Canon, a show about Asian Americans and our relationship to art in an effort to build our own canon. Uh, so, what do we have today, so Yeji? This is a little bonus episode, right? And I'm excited, and I think you're excited. It is. <laughs> it was very, like, not planned, but it's it's going to be great. As you can see, it's very not planned. <laughs> Look at what I'm wearing. Um, but both of us watched the Barbie movie this weekend, and we figured, because Simu Liu is in it, we had to do an episode on it. You know, just... you know what my uh, one of my good friends, you know what she said the Asian the Asian connection is. Oh, what's the Asian that connection? All the Barbies are probably made in China anyway, so that has so the movie has an almost one hundred percent Asian rate. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, that's a little. It's a little dark. It's a little out of pocket, but that's a good one. So I this like is one. the most Asian movie we've reviewed, right? Yeah, I mean, clearly, if that's what we're using to. It's doing to... better than Forbidden Kingdom with Jason fucking Tripodakis. So. <laughs> I don't know if we can. I mean, I mean, Jackie Chan's in it. That's that pretty, is pretty Asian. Asian. And Jet Li. That's pretty. But I feel like it loses a lot of points when it made Jason Tripitakis the main character. I mean, like that's just that's, that's something that's else, true. dude. Also, all the like everybody's speaking English, so I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe Barbie is more Asian than the Forbidden Kingdom. Also, Barbie didn't have white people saying chink in it, so bonus points <gasps> to that. <laughs> true. Dude, I remember when we rewatched that for the first time. I was like, "Dang, I can't believe they actually said that like out loud." Like, I was actually taken aback. I was shocked. <laughs> um. Okay, so we both watched the Barbie movie. Ann and I made a point, kind of like not to talk about it too much because we want our conversation to kind of be as organic as possible. That's kind of how we do our best work, you know. It's just like in the moment. The less we plan, so, the better. Um, no. <laughs> very ironic but it's true it does happen to be true so um i'd love to like hear your initial thoughts on it before we kind of get started um like what were you expecting what fit the mold of your expectations what broke the mold for your expectations like give me just a little rundown of how you're feeling like when you walked in versus when you walked out so like i literally had like rock bottom expectations for this movie because like I hadn't Why? I hadn't seen any of the promotional material and so, shit like that. So like, you know, like I'm not really on the internet like that. So like I haven't seen any of the trailers. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect at all. So like basically I heard like Hollywood movie about like one of the most popular like consumerist toys ever made, right? Like like <laughs> I I expected nothing from this was supposed to be schlock. This was supposed to be just like straight filler camp, nothing good here. We just get a look at Simulu, <laughs> right? And like <laughs> it's crazy. And his abs. Yeah. It's Yeah. It's crazy. Like you walk in with that expectation, you walk out and you're like, wait, like I I had I had to talk about this now. It's just having it's an existential so much better crisis. than it has any right to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gl I mean, I'm glad that you liked it. I, I definitely had a different coming in perspective. Mm. Like I had very high expectations for this movie. Um I knew that Greta Gerwig, uh, she's the woman who directed Barbie and had a huge part in the screenplay and the writing of the film. She is the one who directed the reboot of Little Women that like Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh are in. She's done Lady Bird. Lady Bird was good. She's just an overall fantastic writer. So I knew that the content of it was going to be good, but I just couldn't tell like what the movie was going to be about. Mm -hmm. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I knew it was going to be good. Like, whether or not it was going to be schlock, I knew it was going to be good. Um, I just didn't know, like, what the plot was going to be. Because you look at, like, the Barbie movie, and you look at Barbie movies previously in the past, which I grew up on old Barbie movies, like the cartoon ones. Um, so, for those, they are kind of like Barbie is cast in a role, and she's like playing a character in another movie so it's like a, a film like a normal film and the main character is barbie uh-huh. but she's like playing the character of the movie so like for example like the swan lake barbie movie like barbie plays odette who is like a character in the swan lake ballet mm-hmm. you know so i didn't know i knew it wasn't gonna be that obviously because it was like the barbie movie and it's supposed to be barbie being herself so I just didn't have any frame of reference for what the plot was going to be because it's just like this is just not what like I'm used to seeing for Barbie <laughs> movies necessarily. Um, and I had kind of seen rumblings about it being like woke, of course, which is like what all the conservative people were calling <laughs> it like online. They were like, oh, this is like woke trash. Um, I saw that one picture of like Ben Shapiro standing in front of the Barbie sign where he's like, I'm going to talk about this movie next episode. Tune in for the most woke trash movie I've ever seen. Like I was, I saw that picture and like I saw a bunch of people memeing on him Um and so I was just like generally excited because <laughs> things that piss off conservative people, I get excited for. Um, I was hyped. <laughs> so walking out of it, it was definitely a different kind of woke that I was expecting it to be. It um, definitely like in the most classical sense of the word woke before it got like mainstreamed and turned into whatever it means now. Like in the most classical sense of the word woke, it is, it is woke. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um... I think it's interesting also how the word woke and this kind of concept of like woke has become this ideology of wokeism where people think it's like this thing that the media is trying to like push onto you and it's this it's this like metaphysical tangible thing like religion <laughs> like wokeism is like a, it's like a belief that you can like prescribe to and like push on to other people um which is just fascinating, and we can get more into that later. But um, no, I was very pleasantly surprised, even though I already had high expectations. Um, I think that I was expecting it to be. I was expecting it to be very campy, um, which obviously, like, it's a Barbie movie with a bunch of grown adults <laughs> playing Barbies. So, like, of course, it's gonna have like campy elements, but. I think this movie is an example of aesthetic camp and, like, comedic camp done very, very well. If we're talking about it just on, like, an artistic level, the amount of, like, writing talent and skill that it takes to make something like this not cheesy and not corny at every single turn, and even the corny and cheesy parts make them into something compelling and real and something that an audience can really hold on to, is just so so special and baffling to me like i wish i could write like greta gerdwig but um (laughs) no i was i was very happy walking out of the movie um and i saw it with a couple of my close friends um which was really really great so yeah 
Definitely a longer summary than yours, I will say. You were like, oh, rock bottom expectations came out pleasantly surprised. I, and I was like, oh, let me tell you about I straight up thought it was just like, haha, Barbie and Oppenheimer at the same time. And it was just a meme. I was expecting nothing out of it, but here we are. Wait, did you see Oppenheimer too? I did or no? not. Actually, okay. I, I might later. I, I know uh, I know the university is doing a screening of it, and I might just like... Oh, shit. I don't know that. <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you that later. It's not important to what we're saying, but um, <laughs> uh, actually, can you like so like like I said, like I wasn't really on the internet. I don't know what's happening. Can you like explain this Barbenheimer thing? <laughs> because, oh like, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I, can absolutely, I think this is like so, a cultural phenomenon of like our it, generation. It kind <laughs> of is. It kind of is. So, um, it all kind of started, I believe, um. And I'm I might be wrong about this, and I can do some like uh, I can dig a little bit deeper into it. But I believe it started when it was revealed that Barbie, the Barbie movie, and Oppenheimer were going to be released the same weekend, mm-hmm. um, or like it was premiering the same day. It was just coming out on like the same general time, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "This is crazy! Like, what a weird crossover <laughs> slash like coincidence! Like, was this planned? Like, just complete? I mean, obviously, like at face value, those movies, those concepts are like aesthetic opposites, and so everybody was like, "Dang, we got to do like both! You have to like walk into the Barbie movie." in like one outfit and then you go to Oppenheimer <laughs> in another outfit for the different aesthetic and you do both and then all of a sudden it kind of just like started evolving into this thing called Barbenheimer which was um proof that the, the internet is a weird place <laughs> proof that the internet is a weird place and like if I was explaining it to an alien I don't know how exactly I would explain um any of that but uh Barbenheimer is like the double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer like you go watch Barbie and you watch Oppenheimer in the same day and if you are really really committed to the bit you'll wear one outfit for Barbie and you'll wear another one for Oppenheimer or you'll wear like a double feature outfit so like something that combines the two concepts um so there were people who like were wearing all pink versions of like 1940s outfits there were people who were wearing like uh peaky blinders-esque outfits to barbie um Mm -hmm. it was just yeah it was very it was very cool um kind of internet bonding moment (laughs) but uh, my friends and i did watch both we watched we did barbie and we watched oppenheimer did you do it back to back Um, or did you take a break between we 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 like took a chili's break we like went to chili's (laughs) for like like 45 minutes we just sat down had a margarita and um some appetizers and then we went right back into the movie theater um yeah you got the margaritas before you do oppenheimer yeah (laughs) no yeah we gotta do the margaritas before oppenheimer um uh but everybody in our movie everybody in um in my group was dressed like more for barbie than for oppenheimer Mm -hmm. um and so that was like kind of cool like being able to kind of sit in oppenheimer like surrounded by people who were like dressed in pink Um, (laughs) definitely lighten the mood because it's uh probably good it's it's a dark movie but um (laughs) i think you'll enjoy it though it's a good one um as, as much as like so I was thinking about this earlier and I would like to know your thoughts on it as well. But I think for a movie like Oppenheimer, it's almost easier to imbue a sense of artistic pseudo reality to a movie like Oppenheimer. That is like a, it's like a historical fiction work, right. Or based heavily in history. And then it's art, like 
it's bringing it's brought into this like artistic environment mm-hmm. right um which is film like filmmaking writing uh acting and all of these things that like the director and everybody can kind of mess with and I would love to hear your thoughts on like, do you think it would be easier to make a piece of art like Oppenheimer where you're imbuing the art into it or a piece like Barbie where the art is kind of like where you're starting? You start at other people's imagination. You start at other people's creativity because um, people play with Barbie dolls and that's how they know Barbie is how they played with her as a kid and how their imaginations came up with her as a character and like what she did um for them as like you know with her imagination right so do you think it'd be easier to make something like barbie where you're starting at a point of like focal creativity based on other people's imaginations or do you think it would be easier to do oppenheimer where it's like this very staunch stark world that you have to imbue with like creative nature that isn't already necessarily there I don't know which one would be easier, but I do think I would struggle a lot more with Oppenheimer because, like, I feel like mm-hmm. as a figure already, he already gets mythologized a lot, right? That's as, true. as, like, a cultural figure. He's, he's a very mythologized, like, he's probably, like, like, it sounds weird to say because it wasn't that long ago, but Oppenheimer low-key is, like, a folklore-ish type person in our culture, right? The mm-hmm. idea of like this man who like made the bomb and is also like kind of regretful that he made the bomb and all that stuff, right? Like, like it 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 borders on folklore more than I think it borders on reality, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think trying to unpack the man and the f- and the myth, right, is mm-hmm. a is an intensely <laughs> challenging endeavor, and I wouldn't I don't envy the person who try who who had to be there to do it, you know? Like 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 I think that's genuinely. Mm-hmm. A really difficult thing and to do it with the right amount of respect um it's just it's just like that that that's maybe more than i think i could be able to do especially with like my skill set now and i'm not ever, i'm not ever sure i could get to that point uh barbie on the other other hand don't like, sell yourself short i also think barbie on the other hand like the expectations are just like 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 you can you can make a trash mo- barbie movie and it'd still be fine <laughs> Right, so That's I guess true. in that way, Barbie would be easier. But if you're talking about making this specific Barbie movie with all the social commentary and shit like that, that is also really difficult yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and also, I... me as a person, I think would just like the opportunity to work on the Barbie movie more than I think I would with Oppenheimer. I, I, I think yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. easier technically, but it would just be easier, more easy creatively because I'm already kind of generally in that headspace, you know. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think I would there's a part of me that thinks that mythologizing about something that's happened in history is necessarily easier than tackling something that is changing in the present. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what you have has already happened, necessarily. And you're not necessarily diving into something that is, again, still a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. So the landmines that you're avoiding, you know how to navigate them because there are people before you that have made those mistakes and you can look back at history and be like, okay, hindsight's twenty twenty. I know, you know, these are the landmines that I can avoid creatively, right? This is how I do this respectfully. Because um, there's just a time span of like, okay, he, you know, people doing things in between there that you can lean on as 
either inspiration or the baseline for what you're building off of, right? With something like Barbie, I think that, not to say that like Barbie, I think I'm pretty sure Barbie dolls came out before the 1940s. I should probably fact check that before <laughs> I put it supremely on the record. Um, I'm going to fact check that in a second after I finish talking. But um, like Barbies are still sold nowadays. They're still um, played with in a conventional manner, like the same way that they have been, you know, like from when I was a kid, I feel like, like people still play with Barbie dolls. Um in the same way and with on top of all of that the social commentary that they do fit in in the film I feel like that's a massive undertaking just in terms of like yes like here's how we're going to do this here's how we're going to appeal to modern audiences and here is a whole host of stuff that nobody's ever really tread before Mm -hmm. um Ah, uh, thank you. 1959, first Barbie doll. So, about two decades after uh, <laughs> 1942. Um, so, yeah. Like, I, I would say that I, I think that Barbie would be more difficult just having to consider all of the present social yeah. things going on. And, I mean, during the time that they made the movie, things changed about the things that they were talking about in the movie right the very existence of the movie being made necessarily changed the perception of barbie as the movie was not even done yet like like yeah (laughs) right right exactly so i just think that's very meta and interesting and like you can't ever account for things like that um so for me like the way that i would i guess like answer that question and the way that i was thinking about it was like i think that oppenheimer would be easier to make artistically (laughs) just because you have like more things to work off of versus with barbie like there's just a whole host of things that you just don't know how that's kind of funny because i feel like people who like see us would would think like on uh, and would be the one to make oppenheimer and yet you would be the one to make barbie but we we landed (laughs) on the other side i'd rather be making barbie here (laughs) (laughs) i don't know though i think that like you you have an artistic like you have an artistic streak that i don't have in terms of just like coming out coming up with things like out of thin air i feel like my and maybe we're like getting into the weeds here, but I feel like my artistic like abilities are very much based in things that I've seen before. Whereas like you're very much a trailblazer. So I think that I was like, I would say that's fitting. <laughs> I guess people that don't know us as well, like wouldn't say so, but I think just wait until we get fitting. that new um, segment out and they will know. <laughs> oh, <sighs> guys, you got to tune in. For yeah. That. Y'all are ready. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be so good. <laughs> okay. So, I figure, just because this movie is so new, um, that instead of doing, like, a bad summary, which also, like, this movie has so many moving parts, I feel like it's just impossible to really encompass all the things that really happen in it. Um, If we just wanted to hit, like, a couple of big points that we think the movie is tackling, um, like, broad topics that we think the movie is really covering, I know it's a bit of, like, a turn of form for us, but what do you think about that? Just because it's so new. Like, it literally dropped this weekend, so (laughs) I'm thinking maybe not, like, a whole rundown because it'll be really fresh in people's memory when this episode drops. Yeah, look at us being topical. We're actually actually on the news. No, yeah, for real. We're really trying, guys. We did did Spider-Man recently 
and we're doing this one now, and we're really trying to stay on top of it. So I do have a question for you before we start, though. What yeah, is absolutely. like your relationship to Barbie dolls growing up? I'm just curious. Oh, I feel like it might also provide good context for this conversation. That that's actually a really good question. Um, I had a ton of Barbies growing oh, really? up. Um, they were probably like my favorite things to play with, just because I really liked playing like pretend in terms of like coming up with these wild scenarios where i'm like i need multiple people to play out the scenario and so like mm-hmm. i would use my barbie dolls to like play out that scenario and it would be like things i'd seen before like in movies or in tv shows and i'd be like okay well like here's how i would do it differently and i would like cast my barbies in like the roles of the people in the in in the shows or like in the movie mm-hmm. um and my mom always made sure that I had, like, a diverse cast of Barbies, which I really appreciate. Like, I had Barbies of multiple colors. I know that, like, used to not necessarily be a thing, yeah. um, which is something that is talked about in the movie as well. Um the tendency to obviously like when you think of a barbie you think of a white blonde blue-eyed woman right um i didn't necessarily like default to that just because i did have like more barbies um but what the one thing i will say is very accurate and something that i didn't think they were going to lean into as much as they did but they did and i think it's really interesting because it's such a meta commentary on like the way that little girls imagine like men in reference to women and how you're like trying to figure out the social dynamics of how men interact with women and when you play with barbie dolls you try to implement those same things and as you're figuring out and as you're playing pretend and as you're coming up with these imaginary scenarios you like put your barbie dolls in situations that you like think Mm -hmm. you're like i think this is how people interact with one another and so that like that part where Ken is like, I think I should stay over tonight. And she's like, why? And he's like, because we're boyfriend, girlfriend. And she's like, to do what? And he's like, I'm actually not sure. Like, that is so good and so accurate because you look at, like, media and stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, the guy is staying the night. But you're a kid, so you don't fucking know why. Right? And so it's like, oh, yeah, they're, like, boyfriend, girlfriend. And they're going to, like, spend the night together. But you don't get why and you don't understand why. You just understand that it's like a parasocial dynamic between men and women Mm -hmm. um and i really appreciate that they leaned into that i appreciate that um obviously as mostly girls play with barbies it's more of like a female centric world that they put their barbies in because they themselves are female um and so that whole thing of like oh it's like girls night every night you know like that's kind of also very accurate to the way that like young girls play with their Barbies. Cause like they don't know what boys do on boys night. So they're not going to like have a Ken night with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's like, that's not obviously something that, I mean, maybe if you guys like did that, maybe so, but I was, I, my Ken's went in the bin every time like <laughs> night fell and it was supposed to be like, you know, slumber party time. You know what uh, I mean? Like Ken's disappeared and then it would just be the Barbies. Cause like he didn't have sleepovers with boys at that age, mm-hmm. you know, it was like all girls. And so, you know, all those things, it's just, it's this very particular attention to detail and this very particular attention to like the weight of a child's mind and the way that a child's psychology imagines these particular scenarios and 
it's it's just it's very good i think they did a really really good job with that and i i can attest at least the way that i played with barbies it was very very accurate um i'm glad i asked that question it's, okay, yeah. it's bringing a lot more things into context that i just kind of wrote off as fun jokes into more like they're yeah. still fun jokes but like they actually have a deeper dimension to them now because like yeah. i didn't catch that aspect of that joke but like yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah and like the yeah. same thing when like they were like the Barbie doll houses, and they're like, "Where do the Kens live?" And like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they go in the fucking bin because you didn't have Ken dream houses. Mm-hmm. Like the dream houses were made just for the Barbies, and so, you know, like once all like the day partying was done, Kens just like kind of went wherever, you know. Um, the Kens are canonically homeless. <laughs> no, they really are. They really just kind of hang out in the dumpster until they're like needed, really needed. Um, which I think is another interesting aspect of this. So we can start kind of getting into um, sort of this broad topic of men as an accessory versus women <laughs> as an accessory, um, which I love. I absolutely love just as an umbrella appreciation of all of the social dynamics and like political topics that they cover in this like film i love the way they did all of them yeah um i was talking to a friend earlier today and um i think a issue or a qualm that they had with the film was that it wasn't necessarily groundbreaking um it wasn't doing anything it wasn't breaking new ground on feminism and necessarily like really wrangling people out of their comfort zone in terms of like gender and social dynamics but from my perspective and of course like you can deign to disagree with this i think that it took the material that it had from before and kind of perfected it almost Mm -hmm. in this way that anybody who's watching the film can understand what the writers are putting down and the social dynamics that are being examined Um, They make it very clear, make it very concise, they make it easy to understand, even for a younger audience, right? Because, like, it's a PG-13 film. Like, young kids can watch this as well, right? Um, Just an easily digestible way of understanding why these issues are important and how they can manifest in real life. Yeah. Um, So I don't think it, like, I wouldn't say that anything in this is necessarily revolutionary. It didn't change the topical theory of feminism and start a fourth wave you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i don't think that's true but i think it did what it did and what it set out to do very well so what do you think about that yeah like as an umbrella over like all of the term all of the topics we're going to be discussing i'm with you on this like like you know like there there is a certain criticism to be had that i kind of agree with what your friend's saying like this isn't like this is no intersectional feminism, right? Like, like, like this, this. Yeah. This, it's no Simone de Beauvoir. Yeah. Like, 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 like if, if I were like really putting on like the academic lens that, you know, that we read these books, we, we know, right? Like I would say like, like there, there are certain things and uh, that, that don't really like, it's not up to date with the academic literature. Right. Uh, oh, especially yeah, in no. the way that's like missing like topics of intersectionality. Right um which which 
man, I'm nerding out on, on some philosophy right now. But like, no, you really are. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. But like, like there, there are definitely problems in which it's like missing out on like topics of intersectionality. And there's like a whole current of like feminism right now. It's like no feminism without intersectionality. And I really do agree with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But does Could you define just really quickly, very simply, if you can define what intersectionality is for the people who do not know? Okay. Because I feel like you just dropped that term, and I feel like there are probably people out there that are not going to know what that is. So. All right. So for modern, On's bad summary of <laughs> philosophy. Let's go. Put it on the spot here. Uh, Let's go. So for like current modern uh, soci- sociology philosophy like topics, where philosophy, there, there's like a, I forget what the exact term of it is, but like there is. A lot of current philosophy is in this weird like position in between sociology and philosophy, where we ha- where we uh-huh. think about problems relating to like where we try to de- deconstruct hierarchies in various ways. So right, like you have critical race theory that tries to deconstruct white uh, hierarchies in terms of um, race. You have uh, like more like socialist philosophies that try to de- deconstruct things in economic systems, and you have like feminism which tries mm-hmm. to deconstruct things in terms of uh, patriarchy. Right, and we have other ones like anarchism and stuff like that, but in general, that like that's what they're trying to do, right? Um, and if you kind of combine all of that together, we kind of get like what I- I'm like being real loose about it, but but we get like what I would consider like intersectionality, right? Which is to like take different points from these different tra- uh, from these different like philosophical so- sociological thoughts, right, and trying to find mm-hmm. the- where they intersect right Mm -hmm. and how the people in those intersections like have specific unique problems right so like uh normal feminism would just talk about women but intersectional feminism would look at the intersection between say race and woman so we would talk about like uh Mm -hmm. for the podcast like for us we would talk about like asian women in particular right Mm -hmm. um and that would be like an intersectional analysis on on um on on the issue right and Mm -hmm while this movie really does do the feminism stuff i think well it doesn't really do it in the intersectional way right you rarely there Mm -hmm. are diverse faces but you don't actually ever see specific ways in which say asian women or black women right are affected by patriarchy we only Mm -hmm. talk about patriarchy in broad terms right Mm -hmm. um and like that's a genuine criticism you can have about it but it's also a hollywood film (laughs) right yeah and like I guess we can do better with media, and prob- probably we should expect better, but from all, you know, so, so I do understand the criticism to some degree, but also, like, considering all the other Hollywood stuff that's been coming out, I do think it pushes a lot more, like, buttons than it doesn't, right? Because, like... Oh, yeah. Because, like, the, the craziest, like, feminist thing I can think about, like, before this, I don't know, like... Marvel had the whole thing where like a bunch of women like stood next to each other when they were fighting the bad guys, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like this is this is marketably on a different level than that. This this genuinely has academic feminist thought in it, right? Whereas like the best we were getting before that was just like a photo shoot, like like you know like <laughs> women can do it, so, yeah, yeah. So like I understand the desire for it to go a little further, right? I personally uh-huh. myself would have enjoyed it if it went a little further but i also can sympathize with the fact that like this is pushing a lot further than i thought anything hollywood can put out would would put out right yeah i i i agree definitely with that i think that 
when I went into it, I was expecting it to have that, obviously. When it was pissing off conservatives, I was like, okay, it's going to have... It's going to have stuff that's going to piss off conservatives in it, right? And call it wokeism or whatever you want to call it, but it's going to have things in it that, you know, people will consider liberal. Oh, no. Um, but there's something so fascinating about the way that they tackle concepts that feel so difficult to explain. Mm-hmm but are actually quite simple. And the way that they frame them is very simple. And it's so difficult to explain, partially because a lot of times when we're explaining these issues or when we are having conversations about these topics, it's not necessarily with people that we agree with. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's something that I struggle with a lot. I have a really hard time talking about these things with people that don't agree with me just particularly because i think that i deign to not like fight with people i don't like pushing people's buttons that seems so (laughs) out of character for me especially for like the podcast because i i'm such a crazy asshole on this podcast but in real life it's very intimidating to try and explain these concepts especially to someone who has the intention of antagonizing you um, and when I would get into conversations about topics like these with people who had the intention of antagonizing me, I did not know how to handle it. I would either get <clears throat> super upset and really, you know, try to force like whatever I was trying to explain out in a way that didn't necessarily do much in the way of like being productive and having an actual conversation and something that I think this film does so wonderfully well is that it's like no it's actually like this simple and let's show you how simple it is by delineating this parasocial interaction within the context of these two different worlds Mm -hmm. and that's something that you can't explain to people on paper it's very visual it's very let me give you an example let me act this out in front of you so that you can see what it looks like on one side and on the other for instance the very short short clip you blink and you fucking miss it at the very beginning of the movie there are barbies playing volleyball and there are kens on the side cheering them on And then later when Barbie comes back to Barbie land and she looks out on the beach, it's a bunch of dudes playing volleyball and a bunch of girls cheering them on. And she looks confused and everybody else looks confused too. And it's this psychology of remembering like, oh, like I saw this scene, the same scene with different people like 30 minutes ago at the beginning of this movie and now they're showing it to me again in a different way and it's different the way that they're showing it to me is different right Mm -hmm. um for instance you'll notice that the kens at the beginning of the movie when they are cheering them on they're not necessarily wearing like scanty clothing like they're on the beach but they're wearing shirts and shorts and then later when the girls are cheering them on like they're wearing short skirts they have like midriff tops um the way that it's framed and the way that it's shown is very different. So 
that's the way that this movie goes about like explaining these things it's this visual dynamic with the audience where they're like oh you saw this now look at this you saw this now look at this isn't it different like can you see how it's different can you see what i'm getting at here do you understand why this works and this doesn't or why this feels this way and this feels another way and all of that stuff is also operating obviously within the context of like we live in the real world we live in a patriarchy most people know what a patriarchy looks like even if they don't know what a patriarchy looks like because we live in a fucking patriarchy um and so to see just real life right like just the day-to-day that people live juxtaposed with just barbie land at the very beginning of the movie is like in and of itself this like metaphysical interaction of like the movie with the audience which is so fucking cool. <laughs> and I can't do that. I can't explain something like that. I can't like shove it down your throat and be like, listen, this is how, you know? And I just, I loved that. Yeah. I thought that was so freaking it, cool. That was kind of make me jealous in a way because like as philosophy, like people, like we spend a lot of time trying to do our best to explain things as best as possible. Dude, I cannot and, fucking tell you and, how frustrating <laughs> it is. Like this is a really great primer for like feminist like academic feminist study right like like it it won't get you all the way you won't get to like the like the modern like readings of it and all the interesting debates and stuff that are going on right in like modern academic feminism but like to get started to really start the conversation to really like get the Mm -hmm. base points down like dude like i don't know if i could write a better paper (laughs) right no, it's so good. And for what reason? Like, it's a fucking Barbie movie. <laughs> it's a Barbie. It's a Hollywood Barbie movie. Yeah. <laughs> for what freaking reason? It's so good. Um, so overall, though, like, this juxtaposition, obviously, between, like, Barbie land, which is a matriarchy, versus the real world, which is a patriarchy, versus, like, Ken land, I believe it was called when like Ken takes over Barbie land and he makes it a patriarchy or at least he really fucking tries. Um, like what was your favorite part of like that trio dynamic and how did you see that kind of reflecting onto the real world? And like, what are your thoughts about all of that stuff? Man, that's a hard question. <laughs> it is kind of a hard hitting question. Uh, man, I, let's think. <laughs> I said just. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like I think I think seeing uh I I, I really what, like what they did with Ken's character in regards to all of this, right? Uh getting him to like go through the stages of like being from Barbie Land, right? Dealing with like mm-hmm. that whole thing where he like feels like man the, the the character development and motivation for ken's character is honestly a lot better than i thought now that i think about it but like mm-hmm. but feeling like <laughs> feeling like like an object and inadequate and useless and like only good for like the beach <laughs> um and then i'm gonna beat you off so hard <laughs> PG-13 movie. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best part of the movie as we're at the beginning. And he's like, I'll beat you off right now. Oh, let's, let's beat each other off. I'll beat you both off. I'm like, this is the most incredible piece of art that has come out of the 21st century. Change my fucking mind. 
This definitely was a movie of our generation. For that joke so alone. <laughs> For that joke alone. Um, but yeah, but seeing him like then, then like, man, seeing him then go into the real world and discover patriarchy is just, it's just priceless. It's yeah. so funny. Um, I, yeah, what are you saying? Like, okay, so for instance, like when they go to the first, when they when they first go to the real world, right, and Barbie and Ken are like roller skating around. And Barbie just keeps making comments about, like, how objectified and unsafe she feels, Mm -hmm. like, and whereas Ken is like, oh my god, like, it feels different here, like, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I'm being seen for the first time. Like, what was going through your head when you were watching that sort of evolve, like, that scene sort of come together? (laughs) That line where he says, like, people are, like, ogling me, but there's no undertone of violence. (laughs) I lost my shit. I lost my shit with that one. Yeah, me too. That was a top tier joke. That was so good. And I think that's what it really started settling into me. Where it's like, oh, this is like this movie is like this movie like is pushing it a lot further than than I would have expected from this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like yeah. I I like that that was like that wasn't even subtext. It's just straight text, dude. Like yeah, like they just said it. They just said it. There wasn't. It's not subtext. It's just straight. It's text. just straight text. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. No, yeah. Um, did you? Were you like surprised at how unsubtle it was, or I was, were you just kind of like vibing with it? I was. I was so surprised with how uns- unsubtle it is because I, I feel like when we when yeah, we surprised, yeah when we talk about these issues and things like that, like especially with people that like, don't particularly disagree, it's like you kind of you kind of have to like you're kind of in this mode of like pulling your punches a bit you know really trying to like tone uh-huh. it down right and trying to like meet them on their grounds and things like that so to see a movie just like shit to say it <laughs> to say it like like yeah like yeah when like men do that type of stuff like yeah it makes a woman feel uncomfortable and there is a genuine degree of like potential like violence behind it right and it just uh-huh. said it. It, it didn't try it didn't have to like stoop down to anyone's level it didn't have to like tr- try to mince words and and i think that's really valuable that it didn't right that it just said it and like maybe it's not going to convince anyone who disagrees but definitely for the people who do already agree like and especially women who go through it i imagine it's a moment of like just getting to feel validated and um what's the word just getting to feel validated in that way and uh Mm -hmm. it it would feel empowering in a way i would imagine just Mm -hmm. just being able to just say it Mm -hmm. i would say that I was also surprised, but I was also at the at that point in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, like I get what they're doing with this. <laughs> I was like catching on, especially because um, right before that, right, it's like Kin insisting that he's gonna come with her, and her being like, no, oh, yeah. don't slow me down. Like I really don't want you to come, right? Um, in this way of like, oh, like interesting, you know, like they're really they're really going at it. And they're really not being subtle about it. And, 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 and then it got to that scene where, like, you know, they're just walking around in the real world. And, like, he's starting to feel, like, so good about himself. And she's just like, I'm scared. And I've never felt this way before. I was like, oh, shit. 
they're doing it. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna go all in on this. That's fucking crazy. I think that was when I realized that like the movie was actually serious about what it was trying to do. Um, at up until that point, I was like, okay, well, you know, there's jokes here and there, and like they're all pretty like subtle, and you know, they can be taken, you know, a couple of ways. But then when he just says, wow, like, I'm being checked out and ogled, but there's no undertone of violence. And she's just like, I'm scared. I was like, damn. I did it. Like, oh, my God. They're doing the thing. They're doing the thing. And I just felt proud, too, because I was – I think you came in with rock-bottom expectations. <laughs> and I was – I kind of came in expecting to be disappointed. I had high expectations, but I was like, listen, if it's just a fun romp – with nothing deeper, like, it's fine, you know? Mm. And I'll have fun watching it either way. And it's a fucking Barbie movie. Like, it's not that serious, yeah. right? But at that point, I was like... Oh, they did it. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be good. And it's going to be good, good. And people thought about this. Um, and I, I kind of love the way, also, that they play into, like, the Barbies kind of being... I mean, they're a little bit clueless, obviously, right? Um, because they're in a new world and they don't know, you know, like any social etiquette for the real world, right? Like that part where like Barbie walks up to those construction guys and she's like, I do not have a vagina and he does not have a penis. We do not have genitals. It's like so fucking funny, right? Because mm. um, they just don't have like any concept of real world etiquette. And I like that they use that to their advantage to do like exposition or to have the characters just like talking out loud about their perspectives cuz I think that makes it work a lot better as well. Cuz I was talking about the visual aspect of being able to be like, okay, here's an example of this, right? But obviously it helps to have somebody like dumb it down for you and explain it. And when they do dialogue that way, it's not necessarily them like explaining it but it is kind of them dumbing it down <laughs> and i like i like that i like also that they made ken the main person to do most of that dumbing down yeah yeah <laughs> i think that was effective as well um because just psychologically also like any men in the film or any men watching the film like Men in movie theaters pay more attention to what guys in movies say than what girls in movies yeah. say. And so I think it was a very purposeful, intentional choice to make Ken be the one like that said out loud, like, oh, I'm like, I'm feeling ogled, but like, I don't. I'm not afraid. Like, there's no sense of violence. It's like, that was very on purpose to have him be the one yeah. to say that, right? I do feel like um, you're right. It would have flown a lot more under the radar if it was just Barbie saying she's, like, scared and all that stuff. Because, like, I think you're right. Men, like, would listen to men more. And I th also think there's something about it being said that, like, it's also been said by women so much before, right? Oh, so yeah. to get the literal, like, antithesis of that coming from, like, a dude actually I think was you're right it's a really good move it's a really powerful move right and really hammers the point home for those who might not already be on board with what this movie is trying to do yeah mm -hmm. oh, so good. So good. <laughs> um any more thoughts about men as accessories versus women as accessories and the difference between like barbie land and the real world and any of that stuff like is there anything you wanted to touch on with that no not right now i i do think we exhaust I don't think we exhausted those topics, but, <laughs> but I can't, 
particularly think of anything there. So I'll let you keep going wherever okay. you're going. All right, let's let's move on then. Um, so I want to talk about <laughs> the way that Mattel makes fun of itself with the corporate guys <laughs> in the Mattel office, uh, with Will Ferrell and like the whole of Mattel's corporate office basically being run by men. Um, there's this really great bit in the, in that scene where, um, Barbie comes in and she's like, oh, I would love to talk to like the woman in charge, your CEO. And he goes, that's me. And she just goes <laughs> to like a list of executives and he's like, he's like, oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. And they're all men. And then at one point there's this guy, like he's kind of like a lower level employee. He raises his hand and he's like, I'm a man without any power. Does that make me a woman? <laughs> <laughs> so good so fucking good oh my god all right uh, so what did you think about the corporate commentary bro, I, um, I was so excited because like you see it coming <laughs> you know like the dude gets the phone uh -huh. call he's in the little cubicle like right and like it's already just kind of fucking ridiculous look it's, it's really funny because like barbie land's ridiculous you go into the real world and it's more or less how the real world works right it's pretty serious Right, like, like mm -hmm. you know, like, like, they're touching on serious topics, and then it cuts to, like, Mattel's corporate offices, and you're in the cubicle, and then everything feels, suddenly feels like a cartoon again, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that, because, like, inherently, <laughs> corporate structures don't make any fucking sense. They basically are already <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> so, you see the dude in the cubicle, he's freaking out because of the Barbie thing, right? So, he goes to up to the executive floor and then the it opens and i see a room full of white men and i'm like they did it yeah they did it they did it <laughs> because like it's so easy like for, for like a movie like this to like try to try to be like colorblind and diverse right and they you know, populate it with like mm -hmm. men and women and like races and all that stuff but no this movie yeah, literally just, just like the, just for the just for the just for the promos just just I, this is how it really looks in real life guys we're super diverse we, we hire from all backgrounds all people i thought that was so funny and i'm really glad that Mattel stuck to their guns on this. I'm surprised they. I'm surprised the movie got away with it. <laughs> I'm surprised they did too, but I'm also really glad. And I think that. I don't know. I think the, like I think this might be overlooked just because maybe we take. It for granted, but like that is an executive decision that was made that could have been shot down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at any point in the creative process, there could have been someone on the Mattel team to be like, actually no, like. I actually don't like the vibes that this is giving for our company and I don't think it looks good for us. I don't think it's a wise decision to make. So we're going to change it. Um, and honest, like, honestly, I don't think it would have made the, like made the world of difference to the movie. Like, yes, the white executive guys like are a part of the movie. Um, they kind of like chase Barbie around at some points and like, obviously the bits like, the bit of them all being white guys like is a part of the movie that wouldn't exist if they weren't all white guys so mm. like yeah that would go away but like 
at the very base level, like if there were a couple of women in there and there were a couple of people of color, like it wouldn't necessarily have made a huge impact to the movie. But like it just took it that one step further into greatness. And I fucking love that. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it would have taken away anything, but it definitely made it better. And um, I'm really, really, really appreciative that they did stick to their guns on this. And um, like... I don't want to take that for granted. Like I know how I know how corporate structures work, especially in the fucking entertainment industry. And like at any given point, anybody high enough in Mattel that was like, "This makes me uncomfortable." Actually, like, I don't think it's a good idea. It could, yeah, and I- they'd still pass through. So I'm like, listen, kudos. <laughs> like I'll give credit where credit is due. Like if this didn't get shot down, like hey, you know, um, say what you will about obviously like the meta commentary that um what's the teenage girl's name sasha sasha Sasha, yeah where she's like um you know barbie like encourages hyper consumerism and all this stuff and obviously like there was a bunch of advertising for the barbie movie and they came out with their own line of barbie is like of course i understand yes like that's it's a company i yes i get it hypocrite yes 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 all valid all true but I will give kudos where kudos are due, and I think this deserves kudos, like, genuinely, because um, they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to do it, but they did. It could have so easily been Fuck shut yeah. down, yeah. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about the decision is the fact that it exists. More than more than <laughs> any, like, joke it leads to or anything. Right? Right. It's so good. <laughs> and the more you think about it, the more, I, I feel like the more you think about it, the more impressive it is, mm-hmm. kind of, you know? There are a lot of choices in this movie that were made where I was like, damn, I can't believe that was approved. Like, I do think that's like the theme of this this episode. It's just like, damn, like, I can't believe they did that. Maybe we're just really jaded or something, but like, dude, maybe maybe we're a little bit cynical. (laughs) (laughs) I do get surprised a lot for this movie, even if it wasn't anything particularly like radical. It was still just amazing that it happened <laughs> and it was still i know i think so many pieces must have fallen into place and obviously everybody on the film that was working on it worked their fucking asses off on it like even all the extras like in the movie like they all killed it they did such a good job um but i'm glad that they stuck to their guns on the on the on making fun of the corporate world um <laughs> even though a corporate company was involved i thought that was a very clever choice um what did you think about the way that obviously barbie is like she's a product Mm -hmm. right um what did you think about the meta commentary of barbie being a product um and the way that she's she has affected the real world right and sasha does talk about that right where she's like you've ruined body images for so many women um you encourage hyper consumerism you're like an economic like an economic ploy all of these things like that that commentary on barbie and kind of the way that they link it back to this like corporate world full of white guys right like what do you think the impact of that like would have on just you know a regular audience like somebody who obviously like wasn't expecting it to be all of this stuff like if you were watching the barbie movie and you didn't really know much about like the economic state or anything like that like what would you take away from like those scenes do you feel like man like 
this was definitely something I struggled with the movie a lot, right? Trying uh -huh. to, like, square the dissonance between, like, the movie, like, trying as hard as it is to, like, really tackle these problems, but also knowing at the end of the day, this is a consumerist pro uh, like, like product and, like, and, like, Sasha, like, is right on a lot of fronts in which, like, like Barbie, like, does play into those things. Uh, and, like... I don't know, some, something that, like, I find interesting, I don't know if I could say I like it, but I do find it interesting that, like, the movie never, like, refutes those, like, arguments, right? Like, 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 Sasha in the movie is, like, pretty much f never challenged for the things that she says because she's just kind of right, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Um, but instead, the movie then takes, like, the step, especially towards the end of the movie, of trying to, like, redefine Barbie in this modern world. Right, and seeing and and trying to, to explain what she can now represent, beyond that, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and like, I feel, I I I like the thought, I like the idea. I'm not sure. It it does get kind of hazy about whether this is just like corporate rebranding or this is a genuine thing of the art maker, and like frankly, it's probably both. <laughs> Right, which is which is why I say I find it interesting more than I like it. You know, <laughs> like 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 yeah, like like it, it is it is something that like uh that that I have been like wrestling with in my head throughout watching the movie and like the day in between us watching the movie and recording this, and I'm still not quite sure what I think about it. <laughs> frankly, uh huh, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like I also have a lot of things to sort out with this movie, and just in terms of like. Having only watched it once, I feel like for most of the art that we've talked about on the channel, I've watched at least twice. Um, I say that with a grain of salt, there's probably a couple that I haven't, but um, with this, it's just like so fresh in my brain that I feel like a lot of the stuff that we are talking about, I'm kind of dissecting as we go. Mm. Um, something that I really appreciated about the movie is like, it's kind of towing the line obviously between it is a consumerist product while also con criticizing consumerism but there's this really interesting meta commentary within that of like it being a film because mm -hmm. it's a piece of art yeah and you can't you can and it's been done and it happens obviously you can make art into a consumerist thing where you make it a part of the economy and it operates that way but there is that also like meta philosophical aspect of art where you're like, yes, you can buy art. Yes, you can technically legally own art, but can you ever really own art? Um, and doesn't art on its own, in its own way, as a piece of something that is like a creative expression stand on its own outside of economic pressures or outside of, you know, societal, um, like pre misconceptions, you know, like does the Barbie movie stand on its own as a piece of art outside of the consumerist world, but, or, like, it does as a commentary of consumerism. <laughs> like, does it have to stay within that realm for those criticisms to be valid? Do you kind of see where I'm getting at? Yeah. Do, does that make sense? Yeah. I, 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 I get what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not sure. 
so 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 like the question is like can can like this piece of art stand outside of like consumer like like the consumerism that like created it right by by the structures of the system that, that Yes. So can it stand outside of the structures that created it while simultaneously criticizing it? Or does the criticism of the consumerism mean that it is inextricable from that consumerism that it's trying to separate itself from? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question for this movie in particular. Because in general, I want to say no. I, I don't think art created by the consumerist machine can really stand outside of it but this movie tries really really hard to stand outside of it right yeah <laughs> right and, and that, that's the thing that i think makes it very difficult to square right because like by pretty much every other piece of media art that i've thought about that 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 really that that really is a product of like the system that bore that bore it it's really hard to ever really separate those things right mm -hmm. um and and i i i'm not particularly willing to just give an exception to one thing but on the other hand it does really genuinely try really hard right i think by the fact that like it has a character like sasha saying the things that she does um and not ever being really Told that she's wrong in particular maybe she could be a little less cynical sure is what the movie says but like she's not wrong <laughs> right yeah um and, and like the and like making fun of the corporate leadership and stuff like that right those are really those are indicators that the movie is trying to buck against the system that created it but on the other hand it also probably like like if you really want to buck against a system, she probably could have gone harder too, you know. So like, <laughs> yeah. So like, does it? I does it stand outside of the system? I'm not convinced it does, even though it tries really hard. I think that any piece of art ever, by nature of being art, does in some way, shape, or form exist outside of a consumerist perspective just because it's something that somebody has created and even if it's based on like economic principles i mean like you can kind of like okay so like, take take oppenheimer for example right mm -hmm. like that is a piece of art that's technically about physics right mm -hmm. but like does that movie stand on its own outside of like the realm of physics yeah yeah it does <laughs> right and so like with barbie i'm the thing that i struggle with the most on it um is like as much as we would love to criticize like the consumerist aspect of the movie and as much as i think that like there are parts of that movie that do exist outside of like the consumerist perspective just because there are parts of the movie that don't have anything to do with the consumerist aspect that it's trying to criticize i think the fact that they go so hard after that criticism um and they kind of like really nail it on the head means that it isn't you can't separate it from that consumerist realm it's always going to have that in it just because of the way that it criticizes it and the way that it goes after it so hard but I think that, like, the mindset that they had going after that isn't necessarily, like, a consumerist perspective. Mm -hmm. So they didn't, at least for me, in my pea brain, what I'm thinking is, like, 
it's extricable from consumerism to the point where like the person who made those ideas and they were like no i want the white guys in the corporate room i want that to be a creative choice and i want like sasha to have these ideas of like yes like barbie is a capitalist tool and she has been used (laughs) as such like having those having that commentary like I don't think those choices were because of a consumer's perspective. And so for that, I give the creative points and I like can take that out of but, that. But also the movie never the movie never pulls the trigger on taking down those corporate consumers capitalistic structures. Right? Mm-hmm. The boardroom criticism is not a criticism of the capitalist structures that create boardrooms it's a criticism of the fact that boardrooms are straight white men right but the movie never actually pulls the trigger on saying that like the whole consumerist capitalist thing is something worth deconstructing right Mm -hmm. in fact i think we actually leave the movie with with those things still intact like like the barbie land like like after Barbie Barbie Land goes back to like after Barbies take Barbie Land back from Ken's, they basically <laughs> reimplement these structures but just with women on top. So the criticism really ends up being that like the problem isn't the capitalist consumer structures in general, it's just specifically the gender part of it. Right? Mm. And in that way, I don't think I in that way I can definitely see the fingerprints of the consumer sh- structure systems and structures that made this movie right mm. because like mm-hmm. and we go back to intersectional feminism right like a truly yeah. intersectional feminist approach to this would just would actually probably have when the barbies take back over from the kens would probably have them rethinking a lot of the things and structures right in which in and in, in not try to replicate the ones that the patriarchy creates but just with women instead you know mm-hmm. that's a good point I do think this movie does fall into that one pitfall of, like, and I don't necessarily think it's a pitfall, but I do think that this is an argument that many people are going to make after coming out of the Barbie movie Mm -hmm. of, like, oh, like, would the world be better if women ran it? And obviously, like, the thing that that most people say about that is, like, oh, well, it wouldn't be better or worse. It would just be different. (laughs) And for me, I think that's such a fucking cop-out answer, but, like, it's the answer, I guess, right? Like, it, t- at the basis level, it's true that things wouldn't necessarily be better or worse. They would just be different because we don't know how different they would be because that's not our status quo right now. But, um, and with Barbie and just the, you know, everything goes back to normal and, like, it's a matriarchy again after, like, the big bad patriarchy is defeated and it's like, mm, the real world is still a patriarchy <laughs> and, like, what's going on, right? So it, it does kind of, I believe, do does fall into that pitfall of, like, oh, well, like, everything's back to quote-unquote normal, but the status quo was never perfect either way. Yeah. Like... Yeah, so definitely it kind of trips over its own shoe there, I think. Um, but Yeah, I don't think it particularly yeah, no. makes it a bad movie, but to answer the specific yeah, question no. of, like, can this movie be removed from, like, the consumerist structures and systems that brought it forth, I'm going to use that as my answer to say no. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. 
I don't know whether or not I fully agree or disagree yet, but I'm glad that I like heard you talk about it for a second because it's helping me organize my thoughts <laughs> on it. Um, I'm asking some hard-hitting questions today. Yeah. I hope you don't mind. I mean, like, um, <laughs> this is literally part of the reason why we, like, made the podcast. Like, like I remember That's very specifically true. saying, like, you know, sometimes we need to just work out some art. And yeah. <laughs> this is it. We're just... This is us working out art, guys. Um, okay, so last but not least, I did want to pick your brain on... Oh, okay, so... At the sort of at the end of the movie, right when Barbie's like, "I want to be human," and also throughout the movie, she's kind of grappling with like being a normal person, uh, a person who has anxiety and problems, and is nervous and is scared and has you know emotions that are very real that people it's deal us. with every single day. <laughs> it's us. It's literally us. Um, I guess. What do you think is? the obviously everybody's gonna have a different answer for this and i think that that's important because like that's kind of the point of barbie wanting to be human and like having all of these complex feelings is that she's like i know it sucks but at the end of the day i still do want to be human um i'm curious as to like how you felt about her choice and how you feel about the way that they kind of work out this dilemma for her of like oh I'm feeling all these feelings and I don't really know what to do with them but in the end still choosing to like feel all of them and feel human and be all of that like from an artistic perspective from I guess like even a philosophical perspective like how do you how do you feel about that choice and like how do you feel about the message messaging behind that I'm so glad you asked me this question Uh, (laughs) so you offer me philosophical or, or like whatever you offer me two. I had to. I had to give you a little bit yeah. of a bait. There. You offer me two <laughs> options, and I'm going to take a different option. Uh, I want to look at from. Oh, a, no! I want to look at it from a cultural perspective because, like, uh, this is the part of the movie that really made me like tear up. Which is like an odd thing to say about like, like a dude relating to like this part of like a Barbie movie about Barbie, right? But like, <laughs> is that weird though? On I think that just means that you're just that you're just a good guy i think that just means that you're like in touch with your emotions you don't have any toxic masculinity that you're like you know we try i would not i would not say that like you know being upset or being not upset being saddened by the barbie movie makes you like Mm. that's not weird at all (laughs) but like i find it really interesting from like a cultural lens because like i don't okay so 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 movies that i've watched recently that have like a similar thing everything ever all at once Suzume, yes. Spider-Man, and then this, right? Suzume! Bro, I actually cried in Suzume, like, hard. <laughs> hard. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that one day. Um, we will, we will. And, like, I find this, like... It's funny, though. I've been noticing this theme as the millennials um, start being old enough to make art, right? The millennials! I mean, like, right? <laughs> um, this theme about, like, growing up into this, like, awful scary really stressful world and the people who are supposed to be protecting you can't right Mm -hmm. um we see that in everything everywhere with joy's character in relation to michelle yo's character right how joy is growing up and she's like basically going through this existential crisis and her mom really can't figure it out right and that's and that's Mm -hmm. like the ultimate thing that's like freaking joy out right because like Mm -hmm. 
a bit of a tangent for this movie that we will get to one day. Like jo- Joy's will. ultimate goal is to just like have her mom look into the void with her, right? Because she's mm-hmm. scared because it's awful and mm-hmm. scary, and she just needs her her protector, her mom, to get it because someone, please, mm-hmm. someone, fix this for me, right? Mm-hmm. It's scary. Uh, same thing with Spider Man. We see that with like Miles's mom at at the beginning, where she's like letting Miles go chase after Gwen. Um, she's like, you know, like protect protect this kid for me because I can't, right? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if you've watched Susan May. Um, I've watched some of it. Okay, spoilers for the end. <laughs> uh, at the end, it's like a time travel thing, right? First, at the beginning of the movie, she thinks that the her mom came and saved her in her childhood. But it turns out at the end that she is the one who came through time travel shenanigans. She's the one who comforted herself. She is the one who, who ended up doing it, right? And, like, that, I think that's the reason why it made me cry so much. Because, like, it really hit this, like, deep emotion in me of, like, being, like, a little scared kid about the world being terrible and scary. And, like, the only one really being able to, like, see it and understand and, like, protect you from it is yourself, right? Like, like it wasn't her mom the whole time. Yeah. It was her, right? Yeah. Um. And I think the same thing's happening with this Barbie movie, right? At the end, she meets the creator of Barbie, right? Mm-hmm. And and she's, like, kind of scared about becoming human. I, I think this is genuinely a metaphor about growing up into this Yo, world, yeah. right? And she's, like, scared about becoming human. And she turns to, like, the creator of Barbie. And the, and the creator of Barbie's like, I I can't do any. The creator of Barbie literally says, you're, like, one of my own children, right? Like, like I can't. Yeah. I, I can only do so much, right? Like, like, like I can't make this scary world better for you right but like but like i can set you up and like i can root for you and i can be there right and like mm-hmm. I, I think it's a real cultural current that that that's happening right the fact that it's been appearing in so many movies but also like you see in general on the internet and like memes and things like that generally do have this current of like genuinely being scared about this like crazy world and like feeling like the things that were supposed to protect us can't and won't Right, not just parents, but also like government systems and like economic systems and whatnot, mm-hmm. all these things, right? And and the movie just being something that can just like pat you on the back and saying there, there, like like we see it. Uh, we don't know if we can particularly fix it, right? But we see it. Mm-hmm. Like 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 your pain is not your own alone, right? Like there are other people who are feeling this too. And sometimes when it comes to like suffering and pain, like just knowing that other people feel it too, like doesn't particularly make things better, but it does make it feel a little less worse <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's so true that the current that you're talking about and i see it a lot particularly with women um a lot of the female friends that i have in my life um a lot of the female bodied friends i have in my life just don't feel safe in this country anymore mm-hmm. um and we talked about it a little bit earlier when we were talking about like Ken and Barbie walking around and Ken's just like, I just, there's like no undertone of violence. And Barbie's just like, I f- I'm terrified <laughs> and I don't know of what, but it just feels like there is this looming threat over my head and I'm scared and I fear and that's it. There's, it's not fear of blank. It's just, it's just fear all the time. Mm-hmm. And people underestimate how fucking exhausting it is to live like that all the time. Yeah. You don't have a moment to breathe. You don't feel safe in your own skin. And you are correct. It ties into this bigger theme of 
yes, there's fear. Where does that fear come from? It comes from this fear of not being protected and not being looked after. And yes, that can obviously, you know, feed into the cycle of like parenthood and what it can do for a parent to not be there fully for their child in the way that they need them to and everything everywhere all at once is obviously the fantastic example of that but I think that especially now in the current political climate there's just fear of like existence (laughs) Um, yeah if you're queer you should be afraid if you're a woman you should be afraid if you're in any way shape or form breaking out of the pretty little box that society has feathered for you uh yeah you should be afraid because we're fucking coming for you we're coming after you um and the government has made it very clear that they have no intention of protecting us so i love that you brought up family i love that you brought up culture um and i wholeheartedly agree and i just want to shed light more at least when I was looking at that too, there was just this like solidarity that I felt with Barbie, not just because she was afraid of like the big bad world, but she like, yeah, the big bad world is scary, but it's also like particularly scary for girls. Mm -hmm. And she spent the entire movie kind of trying to reconcile that uh, versus like the safety of her home and where she's felt safe and what she knows and what she knows is right. And the treatment that she knows that she deserves. And she knows that if she goes out into the real world, she's not going to get that. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet she still chooses to leave that and, like, advocate for herself and do what she feels is right. And I think that the choice that she makes is just so fascinating to me because I think it really also harkens back to, like, you have to let people make their own fucking decisions. I think nowadays there is this giant looming hand of control that everybody's trying to have over everybody else um and i see it obviously particularly more with like the conservative party that seems so hell-bent on like rallying people to the side of intolerance where it's like oh if you have this opinion you're wrong and also deserve violence and that is the solution to this like to all of society's problems is like overwhelming fear and violence that we are going to instill inside of you and you should just be afraid all the time like of course of course it's going to be scary but the choice that she makes is to like walk into that fear she doesn't choose to just turn her brain off and live in the pretty little box where she's just perfect little barbie and she does whatever the big corporate guys tell her to do and whatever ken does and her happy ending is falling in love with ken and you know like what's barbie's ending she falls in love with ken that's not her ending right um there's such a powerful moment right where she's just like i want to be able to pick whatever it is the fuck that i do even though that's scared and even though there's nobody looking out for me and that that's what got me that's really what got me um i think that there's just nothing nothing quite compares to that yeah that moment i think in the movie where she's just like okay like i i've i see it all i see the struggles i see what the people before me went through let's fucking do this you know yeah 
let's be scared let's walk through fire let's do the hard thing let's put myself in the compromising position let's be afraid and let's still fight to live every single day the happiest that we can be you know like fuck man fuck <laughs> philosophy <laughs> from barbie, from barbie ladies movie. and gentlemen <laughs> no really uh but yeah no that part that part got me i was fully sobbing in the theater at that point T- silent tears were running down my face um it was good but no yeah that place was that that, that place that part was really good <laughs> um yeah bro anything else you want to add <laughs> i think i want to like do like a small little thing because the movie actually does a small little thing with it um i like like I, I have been, I don't know, recently for, like, a while, I guess, interested in, like, uh, like the academic aspect of how, like, patriarchy affects men negatively, right? Because, like, a lot of, like, our mm. academic studies of, like, feminism and stuff like that are, like, mostly interested in, like, how patriarchy affects women. And, like, you know, fair. I don't, I don't blame any, 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 any feminist writer for, for focusing on those issues, right? Because most of them are women. Um, <laughs> but... I also do think that, like, sad to say, but, like, if we are invested in, in like, deconstructing, like, systems, like, ra- racial, white, the white supremacy, like, capitalism, or late-stage capitalism, or, like, or, like, uh, or, like, patriarchy and stuff like that, we're gonna yeah. have to get, like, straight white men on our side about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, some of them will be swayed. Unfortunately. Some of them will be swayed just because women say, like, oh, shit, like, this shit sucks. And they'll be like, oh, uh-huh. that sucks. Like, I'll be on your side about this. But some of them, the, genuinely, you're going to have to convince them by explaining <laughs> to them how the patriarchy negatively affects them. And I don't think we have enough mm-hmm. scholarship on that, frankly. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I understand. I think that's very important. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I understand why. And I'm kind. I'm glad that the, um, the movie, like, touches a bit on that. Enough to start a conversation. Like, not a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right, which is why I consider what my, my little rant here, like a, not a rant, but my little discussion here, like an addendum more than anything. It doesn't touch on it a lot, but it does enough to like talk about, uh, to, to start a discussion where at the end of the movie, like the Kens realize that like they are also have been objectified and like lost sight of themselves in, in their, in like the pursuit of like patriarchy and like late, like late stage capitalist thinking, right? Where, where like they're literally like, I am more than just like my possessions, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yep. And I think that's a, like a great jumping off point to really talk about like the way that like patriarchy and like, and like late stage capitalism like kind of intertwine together and create mm-hmm. these like expectations for men that are like wholly like destructive and unrealistic, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if, so much of your identity and being is tied up in having stuff. The fundamental nature <laughs> of that is that you're always going to be miserable because you will never have enough stuff, right? Having stuff yep. is an unattainable goal, right? Yeah. Ha- like, like, and, and, and I, I really like that it says that pretty clearly, right? Like, like so many of the things that men are expected to do in order to be a man, right? Are things like, mm-hmm. like, like work out, right? right like, 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 like get, get like, like that 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 like hyper masculine like muscled out like roided out body or like make a lot of money or like have a lot of stuff or like have have all the bitches right and like the, fu- <laughs> the, the, the fundamental nature of that, like i don't think i've ever heard you say that before <laughs> huh? i mean like <laughs> i don't think i've ever 
would you say getting fishes in my life? <laughs> I, had, I had to put myself into the mindset of the, no, of really? the patriarchy for a second. <laughs> you said getting bitches, and I was like, who? What? What did you just say? Who are you? Yeah, but like, no, yeah. but like the problem with like these like goals that men are expected to strive for, they're, they're fundamentally unending goals right there's no there's yeah. no such thing as enough money there's no such thing as like yeah you know or it's like if you're the ideal physique or the there's ideal no physique like it genuinely i think makes men really miserable in a way that they don't completely understand and i'm glad the literature is starting to be out there about it male body dysmorphia mm-hmm. like literature is honestly like really popping off like it's actually a thing that's happening i'm really excited about that and i'm yeah. and i'm hoping that it keeps getting pushed because like like i said earlier like the sad matter of the fact is that, like, some people you can only convince in order to see these things as problems if you can convince how it's a problem for them, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah, I wish it wasn't that way, but, like, that's also the reality of the situation. So, like, I am I, yeah, happy no. that we're starting that conversation because, mm-hmm. because like, I was talking about intersectionality earlier. All these problems are tied together. Mm-hmm. If we want to deal with the white oh, supremacy, yeah. we have to deal with the patriarchy as well, right? So, like, I am yep. very invested in all of it because, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you know, we're, we're Asian American kiddos, like... <laughs> you know what this podcast is <laughs> we're working on it okay on it. dismantling the patriarchy we're working on feminism we're working on sexism next is classism we're, we're getting there <laughs> we're working on it um i love that you actually brought this up there's um a really really great video that contrapoints made um about like the problem of like male neglect in the realm of what I kind of perceive and what she perceives as well to be this like very rampant hyper awareness of socio like psychosocial problems right where we are we're dropping things like trauma uh trauma response right trigger we're using these very psychological terms to describe things that people go through things that people experience and everybody in at least in our generation now right is very well versed in all of those topics um the place that it sees the most neglect however is with boys Mm -hmm. right Um, boys are still very much encouraged not to share their feelings they're encouraged not to talk boys don't cry boys don't show emotion and if they do all their fucking pussies like you're such a little bitch um and even in spaces where boys think that it's okay to talk about their feelings um people are shitty yeah. that's just a ma- fat, like matter of fact right like you can tell your best friend something and he can turn around and spill to whoever and you can't control that right like the world is cruel people are mean right people do mean things and it's hostile out there and honestly like as much as I resent women having to go through such a more stringent upbringing because, like, they have so many fucking rules they have to follow, it really does prepare us for, like, how fucking hard the world is going to be. I think that, like, the one pitfall of, like, everybody being like, oh, guys have it, like, so easy all the time is that, like, we don't really talk about the things that guys don't have easy. And so, like, when they really go out into the real world, they're like, fuck, <laughs> nobody fucking prepared me for any of this. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, where, how am I supposed to deal with any of these emotional problems? 
if nobody told me how hard it was going to be. And obviously, like... Yeah, I think that's a, why you don't have, it, like, a, a female incel equivalent. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's nowhere to put those emotions. Like, boys don't know where to put or channel any of those things. And the one thing that they're encouraged to do out of anything, right? The one thing that is... it Like, I don't fucking understand this, but, like... Apparently, the one healthy thing for guys to do to, like, let off some steam is to, like, be violent. <laughs> That's the only emotional outlet they are given that is socially acceptable for them to have is to literally, like, physically impose themselves on something else. Like, whether that be with, like, guns or with, you know, working out really, really hard and, like, making themselves physically larger and more intimidating right um whether that be with like being like being a womanizer right like there's a ton of different things but it's like most of them are physical and most of them are rooted in this idea of like dominance mm -hmm. right um and dominance is a concept that is rooted in violence so <laughs> i um i i mostly agree but also video games <laughs> and, and, uh, and also video games. <laughs> and, and I think you're mostly right. Even, even if you consider, even if I give the counterpoint of video games, because a lot of men take video games as a competitive thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I, 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 well, when you said like the one outlet that men had, I actually thought video games before I thought, before I video thought violence, too, but, but I do think you're a right. Lot of, a lot of video games also have violence in them. Like, you know like one person shooters i'm more compelled of... about like the idea of like dominance and how men engage in video games in a competitive manner right yeah there's the That's violence aspect of it but but i do think that almost comes secondary to the com yeah. competition because like yeah, right. i do play with like a variety of people right a variety of males and 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 women you, you, you got a good you got a good male lineup for <laughs> for your games i hate that you say that because i i play with a lot of like, like most of the men i play with are family so <laughs> so like it, that, oh no that joke just landed so awful and you didn't even realize yeah, no, uh, it's not my lineup it's just the blood lineup oh that was so good you got it <laughs> The bloodline up, get it? You got it. You got it. Clip that right now. <laughs> um, one final thing I'd like to say on that, and then obviously, like, I'll let you say whatever else that you got to say about it. Um, I think the one thing that frustrates me about conversations about what's Snowball up to. Snowball has the zoomies. He has the mad zoomies. <laughs> Snowball. <laughs> Hi. Oh my goodness. Can you hear him? Oh yeah. I've been hearing him for a while, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh okay. What's up? Shush. Okay. Um <laughs> God. You were saying Team something really important, everybody. weren't you? <laughs> I really was. I really was. Uh, he was too though. It's okay. Um I wonder how many of your when, best ideas have been lost because Snowball interrupted your train of thought. Dude, listen to me. It's it basically a like it's basically a liability at this point. <laughs> like, I have to I have to write shit down. Um, or else they might be gone to the ether forever. Um, 
I would encourage like any guy that's listening to this podcast that feels compelled to like do their own research on like what there's this really great book called The Boy Crisis um, that I read a really long time ago, but it's it's really good. It talks a lot about like compartmentalization um, and the re- like really the science behind why boys are encouraged to shut their feelings down um the main thing that I'm trying to get at here is like if you're interested in this problem do research on it and really actually become invested in it don't be that guy that's like what about men and that's the extent of your activism um I definitely like if you're interested in it go do research on it and like explore what options there are to help and what you can do right to educate yourself on the issue and how it's affecting other people at large um the only time you'll ever see people criticizing you about like checking the stuff like this out the only time I've ever seen it um is when there's just like some dude that's like oh well what about men like men have problems too and that's the extent of the like of how much they're willing to say on it and they don't actually know anything about it that's just all they have to say right um if it's like that then I'm just gonna assume you don't actually care right um (laughs) Yes, the patriarchy affects men too, and it's important that that's in part of the conversation, but actually educate yourself on it and don't be that one person that's like, mm. well, what? And then that's it, you know? Because um, that's not constructive for you, and it's not constructive for the people around you that may or may not have genuine questions about stuff like this. And yeah, just. Keep learning, kids. <laughs> Stay in school, kids. Stay in school, kids. So we'll be doing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we got to say? I feel like we exhausted this. Man, no, like, really I say I exhausted really the topic, but I do think it's going to be on my mind for, for a while after this as well. Oh, no, yeah. We can also do, like, a Barbie follow-up, um, just because this is really fresh. Like, I literally watched it yesterday. Yeah, me too. So... So we're both kind of, we're both kind of reeling a little bit. I think yeah. from this experience. I don't think we so figured everything out. Like, like there, there oh, were a lot no. we talked about, but there's still some things that I think that are still worth re yeah, coming back to. Still- absolutely, which no promises because we're kind of bad at those, but we, we, will. we will, we will, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> whatever whatever the whims come fruits basket part three right eventually yeah, no, for real for real yeah um whenever, whenever that happens <laughs> all right all right we'll sign out then <laughs> bye-bye this podcast was produced by yeji it was created and written by both of us it was edited by me the cover art was done by my good friend, Emma Nebecker. And the background art for the videos were done by my good friend, Penelope Moreno.